Hello and welcome to episode five of the Derbyshire Wildlife Trust podcast with me, Ian Pringle. I hope you like that music at the start of the show today. That was uh, recorded and composed by Sarah Matthews, um, along with Joe May, who are both Intarsia, um, a local Derbyshire-based folk duo um, who I've recently had the pleasure of working with. They created some music for uh, the audiobook version of A Christmas Carol, which I was uh, trying to sell over Christmas. So anyway, now it's 2021 and Christmas is over and we're looking towards a new year when hopefully um, we'll move um, away from uh, these horrible experiences of 2020 and have a little bit more freedom. So uh, one of the things I want to do in the new year is rewild my front garden. Um, for one for one reason it means i won't have to mow the lawn anymore which would be a great thing uh but i think um this is, is it's a growing trend this idea of rewilding and it seems to be something that's very very good for nature um and a good thing to do if you've got a small bit of land at home that you're not doing anything with um so this first article um explores this idea of rewilding an introduction to rewilding by rewilding britain Rewilding is at the heart of our latest appeal, and our newest reserve, Thornhill Carr, has allowed us to see firsthand the benefits rewilding can bring to wildlife and the areas surrounding it. We invited Rewilding Britain to give us a whistle-stop overview so we can all understand more about the benefits of this approach. What is rewilding? In short, rewilding is all about bringing nature back to life and restoring living systems. Nature is our life support system. It's the air we breathe, the food we eat, the water we drink, the energy that sustains us. And it's in trouble. Wildlife is in dramatic decline. Species extinction and catastrophic climate change threaten all life on Earth. We must take action. Nature has the power to heal itself and to heal us if we let it. That's what rewilding is all about, restoring ecosystems to the point where nature can take care of itself and restoring our relationship with the natural world, reconnecting with what matters. Rewilding can help nature and people flourish and thrive. It's our hope for the future. But what does rewilding look like? Often, it's easier to understand something when it is visually represented. So, here is one example. When Carifran Wildwood Group took over the Carifran Valley in 1999, it was in a poor state from hundreds of years of sheep nibbling. The group planted half a million trees in its first decade of work. Expansion of the woodland from now on will be more gradual and natural. Sixteen years on, and Carafran in the Scottish borders shows how bare hills can transform into a flourishing of woodland, colour and rich birdsong. This is part of the Border Forests Trust's rewilding initiative. What an amazing transformation. Wildlife there now has protection and a home. What will this achieve? Today, nature in Britain is in serious trouble. More than half of our species are in decline and 15% is threatened with extinction. We've already hunted all of our top predators to extinction. Native woodlands cover a mere 2.5% of our land. 
life has been torn from our seas to meet unsustainable demand. Conservation workers have worked hard for decades with passion and dedication to save wildlife. But it's time to move beyond saving certain species and patches of nature. Rewilding takes a big-picture approach, aiming to restore the wider natural processes that support life. For example, grazing, flooding, natural woodland regeneration. It complements existing conservation work and those sectors seeking a better way forward for nature, including regenerative farming, marine protection, low-impact silviculture, nature tourism, and so on. Nature is a part of us. It's our life support system, the air we breathe, the water we drink, the food we eat, the energy that sustains us. We can't live without it. All plant and animal species play a role. When they disappear, when we disturb natural processes, our life support system starts to stutter and fail. Climate chaos and the species extinction crisis are two catastrophic examples. They are symptoms of our disconnection from nature, the result of actions over centuries that have largely unwittingly, but sometimes knowingly, undermined our very ability to survive. If we thought we could unshackle ourselves from the source of life, we can't. We thrive only if nature thrives. Rewilding is an attempt to reconnect and reset, to reverse species extinction and to help nature flourish on a large scale. It is a chance to mitigate the worst effects of climate change. Our lives depend on behaving differently and embracing nature. We must think big and act wild. We need nature. We desperately need nature in Britain to recover. Many important species have disappeared from Britain over the centuries. These include numerous birds and mammals. Rewilding can help bring them back. Rewilding is about letting nature flourish. Over the long term, it can help to bring back important species such as the beaver and the lynx. These keystone species drive ecological processes. Their loss in Britain and around the world has impoverished our living systems. Rewilding can empower rural communities to diversify their economies and plan for a future with new opportunities and minimal reliance on grants and subsidies. Rewilding brings nature back to life in a way that excites people. It draws people in to connect with nature, to find peace or adventure, relax or re-energize, explore or rest. Rewilding areas provides opportunities for outdoor activities such as walking, viewing wildlife, hunting, fishing and more. These create spin-off business opportunities that can attract people to live close to wild areas. Benefits of rewilding Draws down carbon from the atmosphere. We calculate that restoring and protecting native woodland peat bogs, heaths and species-rich grasslands over a total of 6 million hectares could sequester 47 million tonnes of CO2 per year. This is more than a tenth of current UK greenhouse gas emissions. Helps wildlife adapt to climate change Rewilding key areas and connecting them through a mosaic of nature-rich habitats will allow wildlife to move and habitats to adapt as climate zones shift north. This has the potential to save a significant number of species from climate-driven decline or extinction. Reverses biodiversity loss. 
Rewilding marks a change in direction, moving from continued managed decline to restoring the abundance of Britain's wildlife and its missing species. We know nature will bounce back on the land and in seas, rivers and lakes, but only if we take the right actions to help it. Supports diversified economic opportunities. Rewilding has the potential to help rural and coastal communities prosper through nature-based enterprises, production and employment opportunities. This won't just happen by itself, but will take imagination and coordinated local action to realise. Improves our health and well-being. More nature is better for all of us, providing us with clean water, flood defences, food, healthy soils, breathable air and good health. It's important that we work to ensure everyone has access to wilder nature, even in our urban areas. Well, if that hasn't convinced you that rewilding might be a good idea, and it certainly has convinced me, um, here is another article um, by Matt Buckler, Head of Nature Recovery Networks. Um, this is specifically looking at rewilding in Derbyshire. Rewilding is about making more space for nature and bringing natural processes back to the countryside for people and wildlife at a range of scales. In the words of the American biologist Doug Chadwick, the essence of nature is wholeness, a wholeness woven from infinite complexity. Trying to save it piece by piece doesn't really make sense, even if we had all the time in the world, and we most certainly do not. Every generation thinks that the nature since their childhood has reduced, but it has been going on for generations. The fact that we can't comprehend what we aren't aware that we've lost is described as shifting baseline syndrome. Many of the species that have been lost need large areas of habitat, and we've removed large amounts of it for homes, industry, infrastructure and agriculture. We've straightened and controlled rivers, drained wetlands and cleared woodlands. Spaces for nature have been pushed to the margins of our countryside, meaning that there is no longer the necessary space for many of these species. What are we doing about it? In the Wye Valley, we look after six sites, Cheedale, Millersdale, Priestcliff Lees, Cramside Woods, Deepdale and Topley Pike. But there are sites owned by National Trust, Natural England, Plant Life, Peak District National Park Authority and Chatsworth, which surround ours. If we work together, allowing the cattle to graze more extensively, mimicking the grazing behaviour of herds of large wild herbivores, could we reduce the intensity of management needed? This would lead to a much greater diversity and dynamism of habitats within the whole system. Areas of very short grass, some much longer, and scrub and woodland, which is great for breeding birds such as nightingales. We're now working with our neighbours on a management regime for the whole of the Wye Valley SSSI to see how far we can take this. We're working on the Wild Peak Initiative with our colleagues from Staffordshire, Sheffield and Rotherham, Cheshire, Lancashire and Yorkshire to see how we can create a patchwork of connected wild spaces with much more wildlife across the Peak District. The uplands of the Peak District is one of the most important places in the country for people to access the countryside. We think that they should be able to access wild nature too. We want to see many more trees with areas of bog woodland as well as dense, moss-laden, temperate rainforests in the cloughs running off the moors. And we want bogs to be in good condition, with much more sphagnum moss and dwarf shrubs. 
We want to see eagles, ospreys, pine martins, black grouse and hen harriers, as well as ravens, lapwing and curlew. And we want to see the reintroduction of mammals that have been lost. Beavers and pine martins are hopefully coming soon, but why not polecat, lynx or bison as well? All of these animals once lived here and are coming back to other densely populated places in Europe. On the island of Mull in Scotland, the reintroduction of white-tailed sea eagles brings in about £5 million each year to the rural economy. What could bringing back charismatic nature do for the economy of the Peak District? But the natural process here is not just about these big species. There is already lots of work being done across the Peak District. For example, by the Moors for the future partners to reintroduce sphagnum moss and rewet the blanket bogs on places like Bleaklow and Kinder Scout, which have been severely damaged since the Industrial Revolution by pollution and wildfire. Protecting and restoring peatlands is one of the most important things that we can do in the fight against climate change. We're looking at how we can connect the Wild Peak with the Trent Valley through the Derwent Valley Forest, with rewilding happening right the way along the river corridor and new woodlands and wetlands developing, including open spaces in Derby. The development of large areas of new native woodland will not only allow the reintroduction of species such as the pine martin and red squirrel, it will also take carbon out of the atmosphere and slow the flow of water into the river, reducing the risk of flooding in Derby. Our largest and most ambitious initiative is in the Trent Valley, where we're working with key local partners to try and improve connection between the North Sea and the cities of Stoke and Birmingham by restoring thousands of hectares of new wetland habitat. This would have enormous benefits for society, holding back water on the land, cleaning it and reducing the risk of flooding, as well as providing more space for people to connect to nature. As more habitat starts to develop, we hope that cranes will start to come back. We will need to change how we manage land to allow the development of new large-scale habitats, and this will include working more with natural processes. This is one of the main reasons why we're working on bringing beavers back to Willington, which act as ecosystem engineers. Historically, our management of sites in the Trent Valley mimics some aspects of beaver behaviour, However, beavers do all of it, and they're there all day, every day. Ultimately, the Wildlife Trust wants to see beavers back where they belong, living wild across the country. Rewilding is not about separating people from nature, but about reintegrating our society back into the natural world. We want to encourage people to connect their gardens together to allow movement of hedgehogs and toads, we want everyone to be involved, making more spaces for nature in gardens, parks, allotments and churchyards and on farms. We believe that rewilding is a hopeful, positive vision for the future, which will see us working with others to bring nature back to our countryside, rivers and towns and cities. We hope that you'll come and work with us. Are you interested? Would you like to be a wildlife champion? If you do, then Derbyshire Wildlife Trust needs help with rewilding Derbyshire, uh, and you can get in touch. Wilder at derbysherewt.co.uk and tell them why you'd like to be a DWT wildlife champion.
Okay, um, we've almost got to the end of this episode, but I'm going to read you one more article. Uh, There are more articles in the magazine, and you'll get that if you join the Derbyshire Wildlife Trust. Uh, So this last one, um, all this talk of rewilding and, and natural species coming back to Derbyshire, and one thing I'd love to see more of is otters. So uh, this article was written by the Living Rivers team, Scott McKenzie, Debbie Gibson, Torren Ingovorsen, sorry Torren if I've said that wrong, and Kath Stapley. What a lot of otter. One of the county's more elusive residents is the Eurasian otter, Lutra Lutra. This nocturnal predator has had a difficult few decades. Populations nationwide dramatically reduced due to persecution and poisoning from agricultural pesticides entering the food chain. By the 1970s, they were mostly absent from England and restricted to a few pockets in Scotland and Wales. However, with tighter environmental regulations cleaning our rivers, they are making a national recovery and can now even be seen in some of England's busiest cities – It is one of the best examples of what can happen when we simply stop polluting our rivers and allow nature to recover. Similar to the national story, otter sightings and numbers are increasing across Derbyshire. They are highly mobile and their ranges can span miles of riverbank. Although otters are rarely seen, signs of their presence are much more visible. They mark their territory by sprinting, leaving faeces on prominent areas along the river, such as bridge footings. Otter sprint is identifiable by its odour, likened to jasmine tea. You can take our word for that. Mink, also present in our waterways, leave a much more unpleasant smelling deposit. They also leave smaller footprints behind, with otter prints leaving traces of their trademark five-webbed toes. Otters are solitary creatures, unless breeding or with young. Females rear their kits alone, and the young can stay with their mother for up to 18 months. Kits need to learn how to swim and hunt successfully before they can establish their own territory. Otters are easily recognised by their chestnut-brown fur, elongated body and a long, loping gait when running on land. They are much more at home in the water, forming a streamlined torpedo when swimming below the surface. Spending so much time in our chilly rivers means they need a way to keep warm. They have 70,000 hairs per square centimetre, which helps them keep warm, as, unlike other water-loving mammals such as seals, they do not have blubber. For comparison, huskies have approximately 600 hairs per square centimetre. Obviously, with all that fur, otters spend a lot of their time grooming. Otters are at the top of the food chain in our rivers. They need good water quality in order to support their varied diet, which includes fish, crayfish, frogs and occasionally water birds. If otters are present, it is a promising sign that the waterway is thriving. It may not be immediately obvious, but riverside trees are incredibly important for otters. Fallen trees and exposed roots provide secluded areas for them to rest and breed. However, it's when the trees fall into the river that the real benefits begin. A submerged tree can deflect the flow of water, removing silty deposits on the riverbed and exposing the naturally gravelly bed of the river, ideal spawning sites for many fish species and invertebrate. 
Once the young of such species emerge, a veritable smorgasbord of prey is available for predators, which include other species of fish, invertebrates, amphibians, birds, and of course, otters. But its benefits don't end there. The submerged branches become the ideal refuge for fish. With a mesh of wood around them, they have brilliant protection from predators. Greater predator protection results in a greater abundance of prey, something that will not go unnoticed by an otter. Otters are intelligent, wily creatures, and therefore will not exploit low prey numbers. If prey numbers are low enough to be unsustainable, then the otter will leave them be until the numbers improve again. When prey numbers increase in an area, the otter will start to take advantage of that abundance once more. It is also important to note that, as with the majority of predator-prey interactions, the weak and sick are the first to be taken as they are impeded in their escape. This leaves healthier, fitter populations with stronger genes and fewer diseases. If we did not encourage or provide habitat for prey species, there would be very little for otters to feed on and they would look for other places to reside and hunt. Encouraging and providing habitat for the otter-prey species should encourage the expansion of their range into new or poorly visited areas. So, leaving that fallen tree in the water can really help otters. Who'd have thought it? So there you go, and if you'd like to get involved in cleaning up and helping with our local waterways, then email livingrivers at derbyshirewt.co.uk to register your interest. That's the end of this episode of the Derbyshire Wildlife Trust podcast. I hope you've liked it. Um, please, if you do like it and you're finding these podcasts useful, I think we've done five now, um, then please do like them and share them. And if you have got the time, just leave a comment or a review saying uh, what you like about it. Um, and if you don't like them, then please do just get in touch and let us know how we could improve it. Um, that would be great to hear. Thanks very much for listening. Goodbye. Thank you.